This episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast is brought to you by Tudor Collegiate Strategies. For nearly two decades, athletic departments and coaches have relied on Dan Tudor and his team to create winning recruiting plans, tell effective stories to their prospects, and help get the commitments from the recruits they really want. Bring us in to lead a live recruiting workshop on your campus this year, or talk to us about working one-on-one with you as a client. Visit dantutor.com after the show for all the ways we've been helping to build winning programs and successful college coaching careers. And now it's time for the show. That's right. It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, a man who would have gotten away with it if it weren't for those meddling kids, Dan Tudor. So here's the question that we are focusing on today. Can a coach and a program focus on topics of the day, news of the day, some of which might be controversial to some? as a way to define themselves, to tell a very unique story? Well, the answer is yes, and we're going to introduce you to a coach who is doing that, who has taken the approach that he is going to uh, draw a line in the sand and say, this is who we are, this is who we are, and if you like us, we want you. And if you don't, well, we're not going to be the right program for you. His name is Gabriel Bolton. He is the head coach of the women's soccer program at California State University, Stanislaw. We have talked to him before. In fact, it might be helpful. Episode 110, which aired last April of 2021, would be a great episode just to listen to right now. In fact, pause this, go back if you haven't heard it, listen to that because this is a natural extension of what we talked about a year ago with Coach Bolton, how he has built his program using uh, some very unconventional techniques. and. The, the past time we talked to him, it was really all about how he went about scouting and developing and really finding out who were the best players for his program. That helped a lot of coaches. We got a lot of good feedback from those of you who listen. This one is going to go a step further. We're going to wade into some some current topics, some that would say would be controversial. He wouldn't, but but in the, in the news today, it tends to be that you're either for something or against something, no matter which side of the aisle you're on uh, politically or Anything related to the news today? There's so many things that divide us. Well, this is a coach who is using that idea to say, you know what? I want to bring in prospects who fit my personality, our team's personality, and we're going to do that by defining who we are. Such a great example of taking a very different approach to building a program. It's working for him, so we wanted to get him back on to share that philosophy and his approach with everyone. And he starts talking about the idea of being unique and how to set yourself apart and do things differently. And he refers back to this original topic that we talked about a year ago in episode 110 called The Pumpkin Plan. And I'll let him explain it. Great conversation with Coach Bolton. It's going to teach you a lot. Here's how the conversation started. Yeah, so uh, a bunch of years ago, I'm I'm too old to remember now how many years ago this was. Um, I uh, read a book called The Pumpkin Plan. And it was basically about how you should not try to be everything to everybody. And the concept was like, you have to know who you are and you have to narrow down uh, what you want on your team or in your business. And, and I started to think about it when I was sitting at Surf Cup at Thanksgiving and I was watching a team, I think from like Arizona, play a team from Texas and I coach in California. And I'm thinking to myself, why am I at this game? I'd much rather be 
having my mom's apple pie and be home with my family and nobody on these teams is, is coming to central California to a school, Cal State Stanislaus that they've never heard of. And so I uh, started to try and apply the principles from that book to my team. And I said, and the first thing you have to do is you have to kind of um, look at uh, who are your best clients. So I attributed that to like, who are my best players? And if I had all the best players in the history of the program that I had recruited on one team, we would be a great team. And, and so where did those players come from? And they basically came from either players that I had coached in youth soccer, uh, players that had come to one of our ID camps, uh, players that I had a uh, personal relationship with, uh, with the coach. Um, so I knew the coach that of their club team or their high school team, they had recommended that player, um, that player to me. So they came from basically those, uh, those sources and, or they were local. That was the other source. Okay. All of our players fell into one of those four categories. So I just decided, all right, I'm only recruiting players that fall into those categories. And that kind of got us on this journey of, narrowing down our recruiting, uh, being able to, rather than have a date, this huge database that's impossible to manage, really trying to have a, a database that you could uh, create personal relationships with, and that it was a good return on investment when it came to um, the likelihood that they were going to come to the Central Valley, to Stanislaus State, and play for us here. Um, and become a warrior. So that's kind of how that process got going. And you know, that's something that at the time when we talked about it, I'm going to link to that original podcast in the show notes of this so that people can go back and listen to it. Because it was really, I think, a very creative, smart way to approach recruiting rather than just sort of spraying wildly all over the place, uh, trying to, to find somebody who would come and play, you know, like you did analyze where kids came from, that were good, that you liked coaching, and that were successful and committed to the program. Um, so, my big question, you know, whenever I think about that topic that we talked about, is why don't more coaches do that? Why don't more coaches go into figuring out not only where do my prospects come from, where do I typically find the right kids, you know, and how am I weighing that against the investment of time? which then you can, and, you know, in addition to that, everything that we're going to talk about today, which is even the type of kid, the personality, like you're really drilling down. So just speaking, speaking for all coaches out there, why, um, why don't more coaches do that? Cause I don't see a lot of coaches doing that in the way that they evaluate. I think there's like a, isn't there a term like, uh, that's related to social media fear of missing out. Mm, I think that's yeah, the, I yeah. think that's the, the reason why we all have this fear that we're going to miss out on this one recruit that is, you know, so amazing and ends up at our rival. And, and um, so, I, I mean, I think that's, I think we tend to cast a very, we want to cast a really wide net in our recruiting because we don't want to miss out on somebody that yeah. we might've otherwise uh, gotten. But I think it's also, you know, kind of, um, I tend to be like a very analytical person and, and uh, I, you know, I used to uh, coach at the university of Utah and there was a coach there, Rick Majerus, who always talked about playing the percentages. 
right? And I also, I believe that in coaching and I believe that in recruiting as well. You know, one thing you taught me, Dan, a long time ago was it's a, almost a, it's almost a waste of time to bring a recruit on campus, for example, during our winter break, because we're never going to get them. There's nobody here. There's more ducks than there are people. uh, And it plays into their theory that there's nothing going on at our school anyway. And look, now I can prove it because there's literally nobody here. So I have recruits all the time that reach out and want to come during winter break or want to come during summer break. And I, I just tell them no, because it's honestly, it's a, it's a waste of my time because I'm not going to get them. And if they're still available after those breaks, then yes, I definitely want to bring them on campus. But if they're not, there's no chance we're going to get them anyway uh, when they come during one of those breaks. So I try not to break that rule uh, every once in a while I do. And then uh, I almost immediately two weeks later regret it because they go somewhere else. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's always this fear of missing out on, you know, on the, you know, the unicorn that's going to change right. your program. Right. And, and important little side note or, you know, post note for that whole pumpkin plan initiative that you undertook is that, you know, as far as the results, how, how have the results been? Give us the before and after um, as a coach evaluating your program since you implemented those changes where you really narrowed down who you were, who you were recruiting, um, how's it gone? I mean, we've had all of our most successful seasons. We've won conference championships and probably the hardest uh, Division II women's soccer conference in the country. Uh, we've won the uh, West region and probably the toughest region. And uh, the team is a p- perennial uh, postseason uh, team, I think like nine out of the last 10 years. So, I, and then, but actually most importantly is uh, my quality of life has improved, my relationship mm-hmm. with my wife, my family, uh, having a relationship with my kids, all of those things have improved substantially because I'm once again, not sitting at somewhere wasting my time mm-hmm. on something that just has, you know, very little uh, prospects of, uh, you know, yielding any reward. Right. So then you and I are exchanging emails. I can't remember exactly how this came about. Maybe it was text messaging. And you sort of were talking about taking this to the next level, which you had sort of coined, you know, pumpkin plan 2.0. In other words, taking this uh, philosophy that has worked for you successfully and now applying it or going deeper into it. Um, And that is really looking at not only the personality of recruits, and you can go back and add to this or correct it, but also even some of the beliefs from the philosophies. Um, you know, how does this, how does that recruit match up with where I see our team or my, as a coach, my personal view uh, regarding, you know, current events, current topics, um, where do they match up there? Um, and and so you've, you've sort of taken it to that level. And I'll say at the start that, which, you know, you and I have talked about this as well over the years that, uh, and I've, I've pointed out to coaches that I really think it's not a, um, a great recruiting idea uh, to talk politics out, you know, when you're recruiting on social media and stuff, mainly because we're such a divided country that no matter which side of the, the fence you're on, you're going to alienate 50% of your recruiting base. Um you kind of said, ah, I'm not going to, you know, that that's fine for you to say that, Dan, but you kind of embrace that whole idea, which again, 
does match with what something else that we've seen work where you define your program so specifically that people will look at something. It doesn't have to be political. It has to be, it could be location or the type of school you are or type of style of offense you run where they say yes or no. Like, I would love to be there because of those things or, oh, no way. I don't want to play for that coach because of this, this, and this. So kind of walk me through, kind of introduce what you have been doing lately uh, and how how that came about. Like you you saw some successful um, results from the, the original pumpkin plan um, initiative that you undertook. Where did you start? Like, where did that lead your thinking? Like how did you start applying it to some of the other current day things that that we deal with just societally as well as in college recruiting? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll, I'll correct one thing that you said, nothing I'm doing is political. Um, there's nothing political about it from my, uh, in my opinion, I'm not asking anybody if they're a Democrat or Republican, right. if they voted right. for it, Trump it, or it, Biden, right. you know, I'm not, that's not at all what I'm delving into. Um, and it probably on my part, coach was, was a broad term that uh, so much stuff just automatically gets dumped into just for easy definition. So yeah, that was good. That was a good, no, point. but that's brought, that's been brought up to me by other coaches. When I have this discussion, they, they say the same thing. Oh, I don't want to get into politics. I'm like, I don't want to get into politics either. I'm not, right. I'm not in the politics. You know, this is not, um, that's not what I'm asking about. So, you know, this really came about, so about, uh, oof. Just about two years ago, I wake up one morning and I have uh, well over 100 emails in my inbox. And the subject lines are things like, does this person represent you? Is this the kind of coach you are? And, I, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is this is not a great way to start <laughs> my morning. Just every right. coach wants to open Right, right. And, and, I, and there's, all, there's video attached to every single email that's sent to me. So I'm like, okay, well, let's see what's going on. So I open up the video and there's a player in the, there's a player that we had recruited in the video. And I don't know if it was, I can't remember if it was like a TikTok or a uh, Instagram story, but she's just screaming the N word over and over and over again. All right. And of course I'm like horrified. And then I say, check my social media and it's posted on there and there's, you know, players of our team are tagged in it. And I'm like, holy cow. Mm. So, um, so what had happened was there was a player, this player had, um, we had recruited her and then she had signed with us um, in February on the signing day. And then about a month later, she had decommitted. And then mm. about a few weeks later, maybe about a month later from that, this um, video, you know, came out. So, you know, I sat down and I, I replied to every single email. This person isn't on our team. She doesn't represent our views. Our team already, you know, was pretty, um, I would say, socially, social justice inclined to begin with and pretty active in that area. And I had a number of players and alumni that came to our defense immediately on social media and just said, this isn't, this is not who we are. This person isn't on our team. Um, and so... We, uh, but what happened was it really struck up a discussion on our team about, okay, how do we screen for, you know, the type of people that we want involved in our program, right? Um, and, you know, it, it, it wasn't, I mean, you know, it, it's not as simple as, hey, 
um, how many videos of you screaming the N word do you have? Uh, you know, I mean, right. these, these aren't, these aren't, um, they're not necessarily easy things to screen for. Right. right. Like, right. Um, and, but I was kind of, you know, what happened then our team becomes very involved in social justice after George Floyd is murdered. Uh, and we have, it becomes a huge, such a huge part of our team that we are social justice warriors becomes one of our core values. All of our core values on our team have stemmed from something, uh, or someone in our program that influenced us. And so, uh, it becomes a, so it becomes a core value. I have many conversations with our team about how we screen. I have conversations with alums um, who are, you know, want to make sure that we have the best team possible that re represents them, you know, well. And, and, and so what starts to happen is we um, start to develop kind of a, I would say, a culture, uh, even more so than before. And, and then I kind of, start seeing then we start having kind of like there's all these um not issues necessarily on our team but just issues in our community about getting vaccinated and and do you um who's going to get vaccinated and then in our athletic department student athletes have to get vaccinated and the fallout from that and and these kinds of things and our team ends up getting 100 percent vaccinated and i'm you know i'm just proud of them that they they did that work uh themselves we encouraged them but it wasn't mandatory when they did it and so this culture becomes grows even stronger and so i decide that i'm going to make this a very early part of my recruiting because i need to be more active in screening for people who are the right people for our program who are, and, you know, having been involved, you know, uh, you know, for in coaching for a long time, we all value having the right people in our program, but it's not easy to figure out how you screen for that. And I'm not in any way saying this is how anybody else should screen sure. for it. I'm just saying, this is, I'm just saying you should find, you should find your versions of this to make sure that you're screening for the right people. So very early in the recruiting, and, and I'm talking. And also, coach, just the right people as defined by you as the coach, because that's obviously you're gonna, you know, that that's gonna match your your personality, your beliefs, but also where you see the team going to make sure that you're bringing in people that are whatever you know, whatever personality or or um, cause or or anything that you're that you feel like represents the team that they match that culture is that that's what you're saying sure i mean i would i would say that this has been done for years at schools small religious private schools mm -hmm. um you have to write a statement of faith you know oftentimes for from an admission standpoint right so this is not a new uh new concept uh this has been done um i would say on the uh religious side of college athletics for a very long time. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I now very, the, basically in the first conversation I have with recruits, I tell them two things about our program. I don't ask them questions. I just tell them two things about our program. I say, first of all, at a CSU, you have to be vaccinated. Okay. Um, you know, I just tell them, Hey, I need to, I want to convey two things that are really important to our program. I coach at the CSU, at CSU, you have to be vaccinated in order to attend, okay? Um, 
That's and the California the second, State University system, just in case someone's correct. not familiar with that. Yeah. And then second is I, uh, this last year, we, because uh, I do believe imaging is very important in recruiting. This last year, our team, Social Justice Group, uh, wanted to use the pregame warm-up shirts as a platform for, um, for social justice. And so they had about 10 themes. They narrowed it down to four. And these themes were Black Lives Matter, You Are on Native Land, Love is Love, and Misma Pasión, which is a uh, cause to combat sexism and misogyny in women's sports, became our four themes. And the players on our team uh, selected a shirt that, that they wanted to um, uh, uh, advocate for. And uh, they wore that in pregame warmup. So the second thing I send is I send a text message with a picture of our social justice group. So all those shirts are in that picture. And I say, I also want you to know we're very engaged in social justice. I realize this isn't for everybody and it may make some uncomfortable, but this is who we are and we're not changing. And those two things will then lead to uh, a couple of outcomes. They will either lead to the person, uh, there's typically three outcomes. One is somebody who loves both of those things. And now we're gonna go, we're moving forward with the, uh, and I would say that in many cases, those two things, the fact that they love them has actually pushed us up the list of schools that they're interested in, right? right? Uh, the second is typically somebody who tells me they're just not interested in getting vaccinated, okay? Um, and that, and usually those, those people just kind of auto eject from the recruiting process. You know, they realize that this is a requirement here. There's, uh, it's our culture. I tell them, hey, I understand, but 100% of our team is. They realize they're not a fit for that culture. They move on, okay? Right. And then the third outcome usually happens after I send the social justice information, which I just get ghosted. They just don't reply. Um, and which again, that, that goes into that self-editing, um, you know. Perfect. It's fine because we don't want to, it's not right for everybody and we don't want everybody. So right. that's, that's perfect. You know, and I found out the information that I need to know uh, in that, um, in that process. But, but one thing coach that you had mentioned a second ago that, um, that I, I think goes towards this whole idea that we've talked about before, which is, you know, you need to explain who you are and who you aren't, which school is, what type of player is right for you as a, as a player, if you're the school and what type of player is wrong. And that could be based on everything from geography to, uh, you know, state school, private school, small, large, whatever. Um, and you're applying it now to some of the, um, you know, current day topics that societally we, we deal with, but there you're giving them reasons to either be really excited and feel like, Hey, this could be a really good match for me because of based on what I believe or, Nope, that's not for me. And so I, you know, you don't waste time, you know, on it, you know, in this, this dance that happens for six or seven months, sometimes that takes up your time. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just, you know, I think, you know, the second part, the social justice part, we have a very diverse team. We live in a very diverse part of California. Mm -hmm. um, if you cannot function within that diversity, um, or if it's not for you, then it's just not going to work. I don't, I don't need every recruit that we have to um, personally align with any, with every single 
uh, social justice cause that uh, that exists on our team. In fact, that's not even the case on our team. You know, there are you know there are players on our team uh, probably that would not wear a Black Lives Matter uh, shirt. That that's okay. They all know how to function together uh, in a uh, respectful, collaborative community uh, type of you know environment. They listen to each other. They learn from each other, and so we're not asking anybody to be comfortable. We're asking people, if you wanna come here, if that doesn't align with your views, but you're okay coming here and being uncomfortable about it and learning, that we, we want you here. We, we would definitely want you to come and be part of our program. However, if you your response to this information is just to ghost me, then you're definitely not the player or person for, you know, for our program. Um, you know, I think the vaccination part is a little bit more about, to me, about like, it's like creating, like, I, I want a, the shopping cart culture on my team. Right. I don't know who said this, but I, uh, Somebody said that the shopping cart, I wish I could attribute this to the correct person. The shopping cart is the ultimate social contract. Okay. It is the most basic social contract. You go in, you use the shopping cart, you take the groceries to your car, you empty the groceries of your car. And then what you do with the shopping cart tells me everything I need to know about you as a person. Okay. (laughs) That is so true. Right. Okay. So the people that are willing to just leave the shopping cart in a parking space, some people will just leave it in a uh, handicapped parking space, for example. Right. Right. Just leave it wherever they are. Like those people don't care about anybody else in society. It's just about them. Okay. Then there's the people who will kind of do the bare minimum, but good for them. They return it to the closest location where shopping carts are gathered. Right. And then there's the people that are all in it for society, are helpful people. They return it all the way to the entrance of the um, of the uh, store, right where all the other shopping carts are gathered. So that poor person doesn't have to push those 75 shopping carts. Like we've all seen them through the parking lot, almost hitting all of our cars, but they're very good at what they do. Um, to me, that's like, I want a culture of people that are going to take it back to the front of the store. And I for sure don't want anybody on my team that's willing to leave it in the handicapped parking spot. Um, And so that's kind of what I'm trying to screen for. And honestly, if I could watch them return their shopping carts, I would get this information very quickly as well. But that would just be weird. Um, So so I avoid that that approach. Yeah. All right. So talked for about, I don't know what, 15 minutes now or so, 20 minutes, and I have, I can't even count the number of little questions that I have as follow-ups. So I better get, I better get to, I'm not going to get to all of them, but I want to sort of dig in deep because I think what you said, you, you put it all very well. Um, I think a lot of coaches would say, yes, I'm trying to figure out how to get the right type of players. I mean, how many, how many books are there? How many professional consultants and speakers are there on culture? You know, how do you develop the right culture? Well, you're doing it. Um, not, you know, I have this random collection of people. Now, how do I get them all on board? You're actually getting them on board before they come to campus and some really core key parts of the way that you've defined the personality of the team. So let me go through this list and I'm going to 
jump around a little bit, but um, you had mentioned evaluating past prospects, like going back to you know how all this uh, how all this got established, and you did this with the pumpkin plan. I you you went back and evaluated past prospects and figured out who was right, who's wrong for us. Um, and again, I'll ask: you don't see many coaches doing that. If a coach wanted to start evaluating their past prospects and and really who were the ones who were really valuable, who were the ones that that weren't, who contributed to the team culture, who really good they could never get them on board, what would your advice be to a a, a coach or a staff looking to do this? Um, sort of first steps, like what, what are the first three or four areas maybe that you would suggest they look at uh, as they evaluate past past prospects? Yeah, I think it would, I think it's different if you have been at the school for a while versus if you're a brand new coach at the school, Good point. right? Yeah. I think if you've been there, you just go back and you look at who were the best players in your program uh, and the best players that also that you would want to have back, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and then you figure out where did they come from? You know, how did I get, how did I get these players, right? Uh, the, the, the guy that wrote the uh, pumpkin plan was running like a small IT business, right? So he had, he had been, you know, basically he, he had been, he'd build his business up where it was like, you know, it was, it was making, you know, 1.5 million a year, but his take home salary for the whole year was like $30,000. Right. And, and, and he's like, something has to give here. Like, this isn't, you know, what's going on. So he had a few years of clients that he could go look at and say, well, this client is a terrible client. They take up all my time, but they never, uh, you know, they never really buy anything or they, you know, I have to drive three hours to help them with their IT, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, I think if you're a new coach, then at a program, then you're going to have to look at uh, either where you were previously and how you got your best players and try and apply that then to the current situation, or you evaluate, you know, the program and you look at, okay, who were the best? I mean, you can figure out who the all Americans were and who the, you know, all conference players are and, you know, and who the best players were currently, who are, who are they currently on the team? Who are your four or five best players on the team right now? And then go look back at it and do some research and figure out, okay, where did they come from? Now, if they're not, if they're their best players right now, but they're not good enough, to get you to the level you need to be at, then that's that exercise might not be that valuable, right? right. Um, but I think between maybe your past uh, coaching experiences, uh, whether you were the head coach or the assistant coach, I think you can utilize those, and then you can do a deep dive into your uh, where you are currently and the and the roster that existed previously. Even during your season, it's the perfect time for preseason. What's preseason? It's the new source for coaches, athletic directors, and campus leaders who want the most advanced approach to social media, marketing, and telling the story to their prospects and recruits. Led by former college coach and marketing expert Jason Schmidt, Preseason offers colleges and programs cost-effective, next-generation marketing plans that are proven to work. Preseason is the name to remember when you're looking to tell your story more effectively on social media, your print publications, and on campus. Go to HelloPreseason.com to learn more. That's HelloPreseason.com. NCRC is back. The 2022 National Collegiate Recruiting Conference is relaunching their big summer gathering of coaches, athletic directors, and experts from college athletics. 
And it's all happening in beautiful Chapel Hill, North Carolina this summer, July 18th through the 20th. Will you be there, coach? It's the only source for in-person idea sharing, networking, and planning for your upcoming recruiting year. Plus, it'll feature expert speakers and coaches who will give you ideas and strategies you can't get anywhere else. To find out more about this summer's premier recruiting event, go to dantutor.com conferences. Register now to save your seat, and we'll see you there, coach. Liking what you hear on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast? Then you're going to love our special training and information site, Honey Badger Recruiting. It's where Dan Tudor and his team of experts answer recruiting questions, publish the latest trends and research, and give college coaches the next level training they need to connect with their prospects. Visit dantutor.com and click on the Honey Badger link to become a subscriber. And if you're already signed up, Make sure you're up to date with all the latest information the Tudor Collegiate Strategies team has for you today. Again, just go to dantutor.com and click the Honey Badger link. It's your secret weapon in the nonstop battle to win the best recruits. Heading into the most challenging recruiting year of their careers, what are more and more college coaches and athletic directors using to give them an edge? ARI Recruiting. It does more than all the other recruiting contact management apps and websites do with no lag time, no lost information, and plenty of next generation features that has it beating the competition day in and day out. Oh, did I mention it's probably a lot less than what you're using now? Go to ARIRecruiting.com now, get a demo, and find out why this is the recruiting tool you've been waiting for. And. Of course, a coach, this is sounding good, and they're tracking with you, but then that fear of missing out, FOMO kicks in. How did you get past that? Because that's not easy, especially in your sport where there are all these gigantic tournaments and all the coaches go there. And so not only are you fear of missing out on a prospect possibly that you would see that would you know take the dive and come in from Florida to, to Central California and play Division II soccer – but also the fact that other coaches are there. And so I need to be there because I'm a coach. So there were a lot of fear of missing out um, levels that you had to get past. And I'm just wondering what, how'd you do it? And for that coach who does have a fear of missing out in maybe thinking about doing some of the things that you just outlined, your advice for them would be what? Yeah, well, I had a I had a very unique motivator in that I had a doctor that told me if I didn't change my lifestyle, I wouldn't make it to 45. Uh, so oh, that good. was a, yeah, that was a very, um, a motivating statement. Uh, yeah. and then I think the second thing is just, you know, years and years of, Hey, let me, let me recruit another player from, you know, the coast in San Diego and then it's going great. And then they come to campus and then two weeks later, it's like, mm. I know I've decided to go to a coastal school in Northern California. Oh, really? Shocking. Mm -hmm. You know, so right. I think that was also just seeing that it just, it's just not a great return, you know, on investment or recruiting players from coaches I didn't know very well. And then they don't turn out to be the player that the coach sold me on, you know, and told me they would be. And thinking to myself, well, why didn't I, you know, I should just, let's just go with the coaches that you trust. Right. The ones that have, you know, I mean, I have coaches that have never sent me a bad person or a bad player in 
15 years and you do have to like you have to you have to maintain that network right because some of those coaches also i've coached long enough where some of those coaches aren't coaching anymore you know they've retired they're not in the game as much anymore so uh, you have to keep maintaining those relationships building new ones um i think just uh just this last month i i found a new relationship with a coach that i really like how his team plays and i like a junior college coach and and i like uh, the environment he has, and we recruited one of his players, and she's phenomenal and a great person, and exactly what we're looking for as a player, also. So you got to keep. And now I'm looking forward to. Okay, I see who some of his freshmen are. I'm going to start recruiting the, them as soon as you know it's it's um, you know freshman junior college players, right? So right. I'm going to start recruiting them for the next cycle. Uh, you know, and I have somebody that I really another coach now that in the you know, nobody has a Rolodex, but whatever in the Rolodex that I, um, that I really trust. Right. So it, a lot of it is you can believe me and you, and this is just like being a parent, right? Like we can tell our kids, you know, it, when you touch that stove, it's going to hurt, but sometimes you just have to touch the stove yourself to, uh, to find out. So you can either believe me or you, and try and do it, or you can make the, you know, decades worth of mistakes that I made uh, and time wasted in the recruiting process um, and then uh, come to the same conclusion probably. Yeah, yeah. no, no doubt. I think you've done a, a phenomenal job at, at making that switch. And it's not, I mean, the reason I love talking to you is because I think it was a brave thing to do and it was definitely against the grain of what you typically see in college sports. That's why I think it's worthwhile for coaches to listen to what we're talking about here and, and do this to, to more add it, accurately define who their team is. So you kind you kind of said earlier that your team is uh, the term you used was socially just social justice inclined. Um, and another coach somewhere else might might have a different definition for their team. But you talked a lot about that. That is the culture that somebody who walks into your team is going to find on the, you know, with that group. So as, as you look back, do you feel like whether it was by accident or design, you you recruited that kind of kid. So did you latch onto them before maybe you had redefined this and they were latching onto the program? Did you define that culture or was it did that just sort of carry over with the type of kid that came? Um, so I guess my my base question is was the culture a result of you intentionally recruiting that or kids just came in and you sort of they just naturally coalesced around that um, that, that kind of, um, you know, that, that view and that, um, you know, that inclination. Yeah. I mean, I think, first of all, I think that, as I mentioned, our team is very diverse, mm -hmm. right? So what, you know, it, what we, or what I, as a white male, uh, consider to be social justice, right. Is really lived experience for many of the players on my team. Right. So, I think there was a uh, being in a diverse environment at a diverse university, the likelihood that there were uh, student athletes on my team um, with those similar um, points of view was pretty high because we, you know, it's a lived experience for them. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then I think that, uh, you know, to the extent that my goal is just to, you know, recruit players that can, you know, function, uh, in a, you know, diverse team environment and, um, you know, probably just added to that, uh, level of engagement 
And then we just went through, you know, and are still going through many months of um, whether it's pandemic related or if, if it's, you know, um, uh, more narrowly defined social justice, like, you know, George Floyd being murdered. Those things are, you know, those things I think brought this um, cultural characteristic to the forefront, you know, on our team. Um, and it became a very much of a, and much, much of the same way it probably did, you know, nationally, right. For people, like we were talking about things that we weren't talking about before, you know, in 2000, in December, 2019. Right. Um, so I don't, so I don't think that we're necessarily any different in that way. I just think that we had, uh, we had through the years gathered a group of, of people, um, that were ready to meet that moment and had very similar, um, but not completely, uh, they were not, we were not all in agreement as a team, right? About every single issue. Yeah, I was going to uh, ask have, about that, just some of the internal team conversations, because I'm sure even within, if we call those some, you know, very defined, um, you know, areas, people could have somewhat the same view, but different, you know, takes on absolutely. that. I was wondering, like, what was the internal conversation as you really dove into, like, what, look, everybody, what do we want to put out there on the field or in our pregame shirts? And I'm just, yeah, what was that internal conversation? Yeah, like? no, I mean, because we have players on our team whose uh, fathers are police officers, mm. right? So their perspective yeah. is, uh, is you know, is different, right? Um, and um, I, I think the what I, it was very interesting because I don't, all I kind of did was facilitate conversations, but we had a couple of leaders on our team that um, were really ready to meet this moment. And uh, they were very, I would say that we were very, the discussions were very, um, could be emotional. They were very um, direct. Uh, we spoke the truth in the, you know, these were, a lot of these were on Zoom at the time, right? Yeah, yeah right, um, right. But also the, the people that were involved in leading these discussions on our team, I think were very, uh, we're also very gentle, right? And like one example, for example, was they were very adamant that there needed to be a shirt that just said social justice warriors on it. That right. if there was anybody on the team- Which, which is your team name, you're the, the mascot is Warriors. warriors right, correct. Yes, yeah. correct. Um, that if there was anybody on the team that didn't identify with one of those four themes at all or didn't feel comfortable um identifying that you know there might be a variety of reasons why that's the case right? right um that they could just wear a shirt that was generic in some sense that just said hey we're social justice warriors right and so i thought that was very interesting because i i that was not something that i suggested mm -hmm. um but it was something that they were very adamant uh about so i think they, that we they, had, didn't, they didn't want to create those waves within the the team if if somebody had a different take on something Yep, absolutely. And and more importantly, they wanted everybody to feel included. Yeah. I think. I don't think it was about creating waves or right. any disharmony. I think it was about being inclusive and you know, how can we say we're inclusive in our approach to you know to things and then be, you know, and then not being inclusive on how you know how we're presenting ourselves, you know, to the public, right? Um right. and wearing honestly, wearing any of those shirts in Turlock, which is a pretty conservative Central Valley community, 
took a lot of courage from the women on our team. You know, I think that, um, you know, those, those sentiments are, uh, many of them are not necessarily, I mean, this is the home of Colin Kaepernick and, and, you know, he's a, a pretty divisive figure in our community, which is amazing to me, but, uh, that's, you know, that's the way it goes. Um, uh, unfortunately in our, in the central Valley here a little bit. So, but they were very, um, very much of the opinion, Hey, we need to, you know, we need to be, make sure that we're inclusive to everybody, you know, on our team. Um, and so I thought that, I think our discussions were very much like that, Yeah. you know, where it was like, Hey, you know, uh, okay, you don't agree with this. Why don't you agree with it? It's okay. And we also talked a lot about say what you need to say. It's okay to say it. And we're not judging it. We want to have a conversation. Cause I think sometimes, you know, you might be fearful to say something that you're feeling in a discussion about, you know, social justice, because then somebody's going to say, oh, you're racist because you, you know, you said this or you said that, or you don't agree with Black Lives Matter, you know, uh, you know, like that. And we were very much, um, they were very great at saying, let's just say what we need to say and nobody's going to judge it and let's talk about it. And, you know, and um, I think that was very, um, very helpful to have a caring culture that also was willing to, you know, take a stand for each other. So a minute ago, you said that that whole effort or that conversation really was led by a couple of key people on your team um, that, you know, just sort of took charge of that, which brings up another question. Do you need, if I'm a coach listening to this and whatever my, how I wanted to find my team, can I drive that as the coach or do you really need like a couple of people, a, a couple of student athletes on the team to to take that that torch and run with it and you know carry that banner um, for the rest of the team? Is that almost like an essential requirement to to really take this to the level that you've taken it to? Yeah, I think that you know one of the things I uh, I decided very early on in the um, in this process was um, as you know as a white male that one of the things that I could do to be an ally was provide um, a platform, okay? So if we're gonna talk about issues that impact women, let me provide, let me do the best I can to provide a platform for women on our team to talk about it. If we're gonna talk about a, a issue that affects, you know, the BIPOC community, let's go to the BIPOC community in our team and, and create a platform so they can, um, their, their voice can be heard. And if I have the ability to do that, then I'm gonna go that direction. Uh, you know, I'm gonna go that direction first, right? It's not that I'm uh, insecure or um, didn't have uh, the belief that I could help in that discussion, but I think it, I thought that the most important thing I can do is to provide that platform for others and then be helpful where you know where i'm needed um the other thing that was really important to me though was that we talk about um uh this kind of cultural taxation uh where you know it's always up to the uh you know black person in your in your company to explain all the you know issues that affect you know black america right and it's always up to the woman in your company to explain all the issues that might ex expect you know, impact women in your company, you know, and not taxing people uh, over and over again, and also being 
an active participant. We talked about this with our team. Our social justice group is as diverse as our team. Um, and we talked about this being, okay, like we can do our own research on this, right? We don't always have to ask the person uh, on our team who you know identifies this way to educate all of us every single time. Like, let's do our own research, right? Let's let's do our own. Uh, let's be active participants in this um, in this process. So I think you can do it as a coach. I think all of us come from a different you know perspective, right? And so I felt like I, not only could I provide a platform, but I also felt like I needed help. Right. And I wanted um, I wanted to learn as much as I wanted to facilitate. And so I wasn't going to learn from just me, you know, telling the team, although I would learn from my own, you know, my own reading and my own, you know, research. Um, but it was important, I think, also to amplify other voices on our team. And I think that I think I wouldn't change that about how we did it. And I would advise coaches to try and do that if you can. So I'm wondering too about um, as you kind of took on this more defined um, tone and temperament on the team, and that became public, you know, with the shirts and, and you know as you're doing warmups and everything. Um, did you go to your you know athletic leadership, the athletic directors, and check it out with them first? Um, like what was their what was their either you know concerns or or you know support that they immediately lent to it? And again, I'm asking that because anybody who's listening to this would say, yeah, this is sounding good. I would, no matter what my personality is on my team, I would want to define it more. Um, but then, how's that going to look out to the general public, uh, our supporters, and or just the town I live in? So, what was their what was their view like how, how did that conversation go or was there much of a conversation in your case about that i i didn't go to them at all okay i just did it um i don't i don't think i'm very confident in saying that i would not have been told i couldn't do that um i just think that's um our athletic department had already um engaged in um uh putting out you know uh statements and support for um the BIPOC community here in the Central Valley uh our university was clearly on board with that um that that level of engagement and right. and executed it themselves as well um I did not ask that uh question maybe maybe I should have I don't know well, uh, but maybe, it sounds like you had a good feel based on evidence that you had seen them already talk about or put out there of where Correct. where their leaning was. And, I, and that's, I think, important little side note for people who are listening to this, a coach that wants to do this, have that confidence that that Coach Bolton had when he started this this effort, or go, I would say, go to your administrator and say, you know, here's what we're thinking. Is that going to get any blowback from, you know, the, that we need to factor into a decision here? So... Yeah. yeah, again, I would I would say that it's very I would align it very much with the, you know, the small or large, you know, religious, you know, private school um, and a team wanting to, um, you know, I think, for example, uh, I was watching BYU women's soccer made it to the national championship game and they had like a shine your light um, kind of a. Uh, theme on their social media, like how do you shine your light as a member of BYU women's soccer, right? You know, I did they go ask the president of the university if it's okay to say shine your light? 
you know, no, you know, no more so than I went and asked my AD or my president if, if it's okay for me to say Black Lives Matter, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, and I think, you know, because I know, I know the values of our university, just like they know the values of their university. Right. And, um, and they, you know, uh, so they have that confidence. Not everybody is necessarily in that situation, right? So right. Um, I think you, like you said, I think you either have that, that confidence that you understand the values of those above you. Uh, and I wouldn't be working here if I didn't, if I did, if they, if they didn't share those values, right? Um, but, or you have to have that conversation. Yeah. Um, so two more things. Um, you talked about a return of investment um, and obviously you're losing, well, you're always going to, anybody in recruiting is going to lose more kids than they get just by the nature of, of recruiting. And you only have so many spots and they're only interested in, you know, certain types of schools. Uh, I guess, did you see, if you're looking at the return on investment, did you see more kids leaving the funnel sooner? Uh, and if you did, then how did you kind of make up for that or account for that? I guess I'm wondering, like on the, the pure numbers side of this, what did you have to account for, do more of, you know, was it a different timing that those, those took place? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like what, I, I guess. No, I, I mean, the look, look, the, the way you usually uh, start recruiting a player is because you saw them play. Right. Right. And then you think, oh, this is a great player. Right. right. And uh, this person could really, this player could really help our program. Right. And then you send them a text about vaccination policy, right. Which I never, you know, five, two, three years ago, I never thought I'd be sending <laughs> right. a text about sure. vaccination. Sure. Right. Sure. Um, I've never once asked a player, Hey, are you vaccinated for polio? Right. Right. Which is why it's just as ridiculous that we're having to ask this question uh, or talk about this uh, now and why I don't consider it to be political uh, at all. But, Okay, so do I sit there and wait? Like, oh no, like, and you get the little typing dots, right? Like they're typing, and you're like, oh, you know, what's the answer going to be? And to be to be real honest, there's certain communities around here uh, and or high schools that I'm like, you know, there's about a one in five chance that this person's going to come back and say they're vaccinated, right? right. Uh, I text somebody that's uh, in the Bay Area. I'm 90% sure I'm getting a, oh, no problem, coach, I'm vaccinated uh, kind of thing. And I'm not asking them if they're vaccinated. I'm just telling them what right. the policy is at the CSU, right? right? Um, and then you send it, and then you have, and then you follow it up with um, a picture of your players wearing, um, you know, different shirts that um, are uh, supporting different, you know, causes. And you have the same anxiety waiting for the answer on that. And when I don't get an answer or I don't, you know, uh, especially if it was a player that was really good and I really wanted, um, and I don't, um, or I get the answer I don't want. Right. right. Um, it, it takes me, you know, it takes me one or two minutes and then I just go, well, it's not the right person for us. Right. That's right. what I come back to. Like, it's gotta be the right person. Um, you know, so do have pl players definitely exit earlier. Okay. Okay. However, players also get much more attached to our program right. faster. Right. Yeah. Right? There's that. Yeah. Because you, you we go to the, clearly the, define something right. that either hits at their heartstrings and something they want to be a part of or something they don't want to be a part of. And actually, Dan, now I will say I get emails now that say, this is my, you know, I, I have 
this, I, um, you know, this is who I am. I notice that your team is very engaged in social justice. I would love to bring my perspective to your team um, because I think this is a real, this is really important. I love how you use your platform. Um, I get quite frequent emails now by players that identify with us um, based on, um, and these are players I've never talked to, but they've, sure. you know, they kind of look at our social media, they see um, who we are and, um, and they want to be a part uh, of our program. And I'm, you know, it's, it's very, it's actually something that, you know, cause we've hit some roadblocks as a team and things that we've tried to do and people that didn't support us. Uh, and I like to send those just little clips of those emails or text messages to our social justice group and our team saying, Hey, look, people are paying attention. Um, and, um, you're inspiring other people right. to, um, that think like us, you know, and want to be a part of a program. So going back to that real quick, uh, back to the return on investment, you see people at maybe the more extremes of the bell curve where it's like a no right away or then a yes way sooner. So from a purely mathematical standpoint, have you had to, with kids exiting earlier, have you had to feel, do you feel like you have to recruit, you know, double the number of players to account for that? Or do you get, you get on the other side of it, the quicker yes, that you feel like we're losing more people sooner, but we're also gaining more more seriously interested people that make up for that? Like what, what's been your, your experience? And of course it's just anecdotal. I haven't changed, it. I haven't changed at all. Okay. So same number of kids. Okay. Yeah. It, I, um, yeah. I haven't changed that uh, at all. Um, at least, you know, in the, in the first, you right. know, you know, 18 months or so of this, sure. you know, approach. So I think that would be a worry for some coaches is, oh, I'm going to lose all these kids and I'm going to have to recruit triple the number of kids because I'm being so defined. But your point is, again, what we've been saying is that if you if you tell people who we are and who we aren't and who's right for us and wrong for us as a program, personality, location, everything, um, that ends up working in your favor. Certainly, it it's, hasn't hurt you, it sounds like. It's exactly the pumpkin plan. Yeah. Okay? The theory of the pumpkin patch. When you go to the pumpkin patch, every pumpkin looks the same, okay? If you look the same as everybody else, then how are you different? Why should they pick you, right. okay? And at the pumpkin patch, there's always that corner, usually by the haystacks, that has the ugly pumpkins that are too big. They have the warts on them. They're white. They're, you know, odd colors, uh, you know, and... That's where everybody is. That's where everybody's taking their picture. That's where all the kids are climbing. It literally says no climbing uh, for the kids, but the kids are still climbing on them. You know, though that's the pumpkin that you want to be. How you get there should be related to who you are as a coach, as a program, what you value. Uh, and for us, this is part of what this is part of what we value. Um, and this is something that makes us that, you know, little warted pumpkin in the corner that attracts people to come to. Well, it's interesting that you say that because living in North Carolina, we've gone to the North Carolina State Fair, you know, many of the years we've been here and they have the, you know, the giant pumpkin contest, which these things are just, you know, they're six feet across, they're four, you know, five feet high. It's incredible, you know, how big these pumpkins are. And you can sometimes talk to the people who grew them. And so we did. And it's fascinating that, and it kind of goes to what you're saying is, you know, how do you grow giant pumpkins? Well, it's not 
you know, this special soil or you don't inject them with stuff to make them grow. Is that when you see a vine, you trim off the, the weaker looking splits as it, as it grows. And so you get all this energy going into one, one part of the vine, which then all that goes into that one pumpkin and that's what gets it, uh, gets it larger. And they'll gladly sell you their magic pumpkin seeds that, you know, will, you know <laughs> will, to genetically, I guess, give you the higher chance of getting that pumpkin. But that kind of goes to what you're talking about, which is absolutely cutting off the dead branches or the withering branches and um, resulting in this this um, this really healthy, gigantic, uh, impressive pumpkin. So, last question: at all, you know, all the the function and all of the uh, the, the processes that you've retooled, what has been the result in terms of the team unity, uh, that culture that every coach craves, uh, that they wanted to find for their program. What has been the net effect, uh, on the field as well as off the field? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, this team stayed together during 18 months of not being able to be together. Right. We, our school was virtual the entire time. I mean, this is California. So things were uh, you know, very, very, uh, strict when it came to COVID, we couldn't, we missed an entire season. We had seven senior, we had eight seniors that missed their senior year. Seven came back for, uh, a super senior year. Mm -hmm. We had, um, we had to do workouts remotely. We had to do, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, socially distanced practices. I mean, you know, things that were enough to make anybody just go, okay, I've had enough, you know, and the team stayed together. The team, um, had a really good, uh, year despite all of our, uh, restrictions. Um, the, uh, team threw me a surprise birthday party on, uh, on Thursday uh, which, uh, was a first, uh, for me in the 17 years I've been here. Nice. So I would say that our team dynamic is really, if I took it today on Monday, December 13th is at its peak, um, from any other time I've uh, been a part of this program in my 17 years. So, uh, is it all attributed to, you know, to this? No. Uh, but, uh, I certainly think that every player on our team feels heard, feels seen, feels valued, feels cared for. And a lot of it has to do with um, how we, the culture that we've created. And certainly this is a big part of it. And with that, we wrap things up. So look, you may disagree with that approach. You may agree with it. It may have spurred a lot of good ideas. I think the, the positive to all of it is this. When a coach understands who he or she is all about and they really have defined what their program should be all about. However they want to define that, in whatever side of whatever topic it is, you have to verbalize it, actively create it. I think this goes straight to creating a good culture, the right culture for you and your program. And look, Coach Bolton's maybe exactly the same that you would want to create. It may be polar opposite. doesn't matter. Are you doing the same things that he is doing to define who the best recruits are? That's what this was all about. Great conversation, and I thank him for it. All his contact information is in the show notes if you want to get in touch and ask follow-up questions. And with that, we say thanks for watching. I'm sorry, listening to 
the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. I guess you could have been watching your phone while it was playing, but we uh, we thank you for that. Uh, if you have questions for me, dan at dantutor.com is the, uh, is the email. We really appreciate you listening and being a part of the podcast, telling others about it, giving us a great rating on whatever podcast platform you listen to. Uh, we'll be back with more good stuff coming up here in 2022, but thanks for listening today. And have a great one out there, Coach. The College Recruiting Weekly Podcast is a production of Tudor Collegiate Strategies. For more information on everything we provide college coaches, athletic directors, and the rest of your campus, visit dantutor.com. Thanks for listening, Coach.